Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. I wanted to just um, talk a little bit about, have you ever seen the awareness test on YouTube? It says awareness test, the moonwalking bear. Anybody seen that one? Oh, good. Well, some of you have seen that. So now, I know some of you are going to right now. The, the, the awareness test, the moonwalking bear, it starts out as an awareness test. And even in the title, you should read it first, but you're not paying attention to that. And it says, there's these people, about six or seven people, and they're throwing around this basketball. And they say, okay, you ready? Now count how many times the basketball's passed. And they start passing, and you're watching this basketball. And they get done, and you say, God, 14. It says, if you answered 14, you're correct. But did you see the moonwalking bear? And you go, what? And then they play it back slowly. And as this, these 14 people are passing the basketball, this moon guy in a bear suit comes out like this and does the moonwalk right in the middle of everything. And you're watching it, and you think, that wasn't there before, right? And it ends with this great phrase. After he gets done with that, it talks about, he says, you know, it's easy to miss what you were not looking for. <laughs> and it's so true. And... Uh, what we have to, oh, in this series, we talk about this place of expectations. When you are expecting one thing and you're looking for one thing, you miss what's there, and that's the way expectations work. You, they, they form how you see, and with Jesus, his birth, <laughs> his life, his death, you know, his kingdom, his timing, all those things are just not what people expected. And it was very easy because they had to miss it because that's not how they expected it. Expectations, as we talked about in this series, are just kind of a crucial thing in life. In fact, I've gotten this series has caused me just to be so aware of expectations and uh, how many I have. Now, you guys have had days, right, where the day exceeds your expectation. You go, whoa, that's unexpected, <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm on time for work, or whatever it is, right? I, uh, Starbucks lines was short. You know, those are all great days. You're going there, exceeded expectation. But what often is difficult is when the things that you expected don't happen. And, and you don't even know sometimes you expect it until you feel that feeling of, I'm disappointed. And so as we look at this, we, uh, you know, we have to realize that when you get to that spot, it can be hard. It can be a place that we have uh, kind of, you can be, get angry or at least frustrated or disappointed. There's lots of emotions that go on with that because we have this kind of understanding of, you don't realize it, but you, you have a way you think this is how things should happen, right? I, I just know this, and when they don't happen that way, or you might get to a spot where, you know, this is what things should be like. You can automatically start thinking about, yeah, I, I know what that is. And when those things aren't happening, it can be very difficult when your expectations aren't realized. Now, as humans, we have this thing that happens when we have expectations that aren't realized, and we have to make sense of it. <laughs> and our human nature, our flesh, is often when we get to the place of disappointment or unmet expectations, in the pain of that, we find ourselves trying to figure out this question. Who caused this? <laughs> what caused this? 
who allowed this to happen, right? And we can almost feel that in us. And, and I, if you've been around me for any time, you, you've already heard this example I use all the time. But I call it the pointing finger. And when you're in that spot, you're trying to figure out what is, wrong, what is right here, you have a tendency of have to figure out a way of who did this. And so you have three places typically you point. You point to God, and you think, oh, that's God. I should not do that. Maybe you do for a while. And then you start pointing to others. You cause this. You guys know that in your marriage, don't you? All right. So uh, it's, it's in all of us. It can be your boss, it can be whatever. You start pointing and, and condemning or judging, and then eventually, usually, the problem it often ends back here. You begin condemning and judging. And you find yourself in that spot of trying to wrestle with that. And, uh, you know, I just, I just thought about it in my life, and I don't want to add up the amount of time I have spent in the, that zone. <laughs> I, I just, it's so easy to get into that spot. And, and if you don't get that spot, you have another alternative that's very tempting is, Here's the answer to unmet expectations. Lower your expectations. You guys know that one? I've learned how to trick this thing. I just have less hope and think that's going to be okay. And as we know, neither one of these responses really help at all. In fact, the very thing we're supposed to do is loving others, loving God and loving others. It's the thing that takes us away from that when we respond that way. But yet we're still in a place of what do we do with these places of unmet expectations. Now, particularly today, we're going to talk about timing. When things should happen. Do you understand you have expectations of when something should take place? And, uh, you know, uh, I think a story that shows the place of when something should take place and kind of up close in kind of people that we know and Jesus was involved was with the story of Lazarus after he had died with Martha and Mary. You know, these are, these are a tight group of people. This is like we're the close, close friends. And so, uh, because what we can see in this spot is we can, we can understand that uh, what it feels like up close when this place of you're expecting one thing and something else changed. And, uh, you know, if you think about this kind of lead up to this, this story, is that it's a spot in which that that Jesus was out about, and Lazarus got sick, very close. Word got to him, he's sick. Not too far away, but he doesn't go. And he, his timings are quite different. He says, I'm not going. And he sensed what God was doing, but he didn't go. So two days passed, he gets another word. This is kind of like, your cell phone's blowing up. <laughs> Everyone knows where you're at. I've sent you 25 texts and voicemails. Why aren't you coming? You know, that's, that's, the, that's the feeling it has because now the next time he gets a, a word that he's dead. And then it takes two days to get back. So here we are four days out. They've already buried Lazarus in the tomb. They're also in the middle of grief. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother 
When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can just feel the emotion in that statement. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so we start understanding that Martha and Mary, actually all these people in Bethany, had expectations of what Jesus the King, this Messiah they were, many were trusting in, how, when things were supposed to happen, and not just how and what, but when. And uh, they were looking through that lens, and it was very disappointing. You know, uh, you guys have that where you have things that happen, and, you, and it's like, what, what happened here, right? What, this, is, this can't be happening now, right? And so, you know, for me, as I've reflected on my life, uh, I do that a lot lately. I don't know what it is. I'm getting old. But I, I start looking through my journals. I start reflecting on my life. And, and I, I realize how much of my life I have been trying to put what my life has been tied to my expectations and trying to get my expectations to fit into how God has done things. I spent quite a bit of time in, in thinking that over. And I and realized, what I've realized, I'm realizing more and more, and every time I realize it a little bit more, life gets a lot better. That that does not help. What I need is I need to see differently. I need to see things through a different lens. That's my only answer to this. And uh, because I, as, I, as I go round and round about trying to fit my expectations to, to God's timing and all the things that God, it just doesn't get me anywhere. And, uh, you know, I think this is where, you know, we have to understand that God has a different set of timing than we do. It's a characteristic. I mean, you think about what we've talked about, this face of unexpected arrival. They expect that they, 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 this is how he should arrive. It wasn't all what he, they thought. They thought a king should arrive and with great grandeur and versus being in a manger in rags and, and then having only shepherds be the ones celebrating. That wasn't how they expected it. Then we look at the spot of his unexpected rule and reign we talked about last week. They expected this power, political rule and reign that hopefully would get Rome off their back and this would be a, a temple would be established and, and, and all, the, all the things they thought about and it didn't happen. And they thought about it and they've been thinking about it for a long time. So today, you know, in this place of this, this unexpected timing of the king, you know, it just something we have to understand that the way God times things and the way God looks at things timing-wise is different than us. And, uh, you know, I have found that, uh, the, the, you know, what the Jews felt was a whole different set of things because they were Jews and they'd been left waiting for the Messiah and they had a different mindset, but I find it applies to everyone of how we look at Jesus. And what our expectations are of Jesus. You know, uh, the question that 
when Jesus came on the scene was a question about... Sorry. It'll come on sometime. It's this question about... The question is like, when's this thing going to come? Like, the question that the Jews had, and they've been noodling on this for hundreds of years, like, and now they're seeing something, they're thinking, okay, it's not like I expected, but now when will the kingdom be fully established and all things are made right, all things will be made new? That's the question. And what's interesting is Jesus understood right away that this is their question, and this was going through their mind, and it's kind of like if, you, if you've been a parent, right, and you know a lot more than your kids, and they're living in some expectation that you think, eh, not a chance, but it's a completely different way, and you basically still have great compassion on them and understand what can I say because they can't understand this. And so this is a little how Jesus is talking. So like, for instance, in Luke it says, while he was listening to this, he's teaching, he says, he went on to tell them a parable, which helped them understand the kingdom better, because he was near Jerusalem. So they were already thinking about the temple being built and how, the, how it would be restored. And he, says, and he says, the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. They're like, when is it going to happen? All this beautiful stuff we see prophesied about this, this fullness of this kingdom. And then even the disciples, after being with Jesus all this time, and he's getting ready to ascend, you know, in his resurrected body, says so they gather around him and ask him, Lord, are you at this time, going to restore the kingdom of Israel. In other words, is it going to be complete now? Right? Now, so Jesus was very aware that people who were trying to follow him were living with expectations that weren't helping them. Right? And so when we look at Jesus, what we see is we see him talking a lot about his kingdom because he knew that it was something they were, that he was wanting them to grasp. You know, he talked about, in these terms, to summarize it, like he talked about this kingdom's rule and reign and, and this thing, it, it would be, it would, it's near, it's going to be, it's, 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 it's near, then it's here, it's among your, in your midst, it's, it's within you, and he talks about it also breaking through. So, like, what's he talking about? But then he also talks about, the kingdom, and he talks about in a future sense. He talks about the kingdom that's coming. And so, what I would say is in this is that this is where, you know, the, the, the things of the kingdom, there's, there's like 200 different references to the kingdom of God or the or kingdom of heaven, which is interchangeable, within the New Testament. Almost all of them are in the Gospels. Most of them are actually direct quotes from Jesus. In, in Matthew alone, there's over 50 different descriptions of the kingdom of God. And so he's telling all about the whole thing of that the kingdom is something that's tangible, that you can actually, that's, it's not geographical, it's not political, but it's tangible, and you can actually enter into it. It even tells you how to enter, it, enter into it. It shows you can be in any place. Even one time he says, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are, are entering faster than you are, the children are entering faster because they understand how to enter the kingdom. So there's people entering the kingdom, becoming citizens of the kingdom. That's clear. And he talks about the whole characteristics of the kingdom, of how it, how, it, how it grows and how it starts small and goes big and all the different things he begins talking about the place of the kingdom. And, but then he begin, you see this whole other thing that you see in this place of the kingdom coming. He starts talking about this place where there's, where it's like a wedding feast or we're waiting for the, the banquet, for the celebration of the wedding takes place, 
for this place it talks about in Revelations where that, that all is dealt with, all sin. There's no more sorrow, there's no more death, there's no more destruction. And we get to have this new world we live in that's speaking of. Now what it's speaking of is speaking of this other place of the kingdom coming. It's speaking of the second part of the kingdom called the consummation, the full consummation of the kingdom. If you're not used to the word competence, it's just completion, com- full completion of the kingdom. And I say those things because this may just sound like, oh yeah, I'll get theology here, we'll we'll sing here, but but this is life-changing. Because it changes the way you see life. We are caught between the present and the future kingdom. We're living in that place where we have our citizens of the kingdom, and yet we're longing for the full completion where sin is completely dealt with and death is no more. And we live in that spot, right? Where God is there and with us and he breaks in. Now, I, uh, you know, one thing that, uh, that we do in our, in our, our we, we have a team that helps us with getting things ready. You know, it's usually not me, it's Danielle or Caleb. But this time for Christmas, it, Chris, could you help us? You're, we're tired. Would you mind? <laughs> sure, I can help out. So he did a great job in getting us some things going on this. And, uh, and so, you know, we, the term that we're using for this kind of in-between spot, and you'll hear it in the vineyard or hear it in the other theologians, it's a, we're in the already but not yet. When Jesus would speak to the kingdom, he says, it's here, but not yet. There's more coming. And if you can read, you'll, you'll see both those places, and then we live in that tension. We live in that place between the present place of this on this earth, that sin is still around us, and injustice is still here, but we are now part of the kingdom, and we're waiting for this fullness of the kingdom that's coming. And so, as we prepared this, Chris had this part, he says, on, the, on, on this place of unexpected timing of the kingdom, uh, he had some really, he, he wrote a little bit what he thought, and then to back up what he thought, he, he quoted N.T. Wright. Now, here's what I want to tell you, Chris. Don't let your head get too big here. Your quote was better than N.T. Wright's. So I'm going to read Coach Mackey's quote here. Faithful Jews believe that God would send his Messiah to rule on earth, to set them free from the oppression and to rebuild the temple. But Jesus shows up and claims messianic rule, only his kingdom seemed to be here, but not yet fully here. Instead of one single day to set all things right, Jesus seemed to show that his arrival is one day, but there, is, there will be a second day of days when the kingdom comes in full. I think it's pretty good. And that's where we're living in. And so we are living, we are God's, we are God's people, citizens of the kingdom of God in a fallen world that has sin, evil, injustice, suffering, and death. We live on earth as citizens of, the, of, of heaven under the rule and reign of Jesus our King. As citizens, we are indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit, experiencing and bringing the kingdom to others through our words and actions, God's love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his truth, his light, his compassion, his justice, his peace, his hope, his healing, and his deliverance. And then we live while we're waiting 
in this longing and hope and confidence. We live our lives in confidence and hope, longing for the consummation of the kingdom which God has promised that we're counting on. Now, that is all kind of set up for finishing up on this text that we're talking about. Because the text of Lazarus, we, if you've been around churches at all or you have any, you usually, usually know this story, even if you've not been around much, right? Spoiler alert, he's raised from the dead. Okay, so we get that done. That's usually how we're focusing on. But we're not, we're not going to talk so much about that, even though it's pretty cool to talk about. We're going to talk about what it felt like to Martha and Mary at this moment. And as we go through this, I want you now with this grid of the already but not yet, Martha, quite honestly, was amazingly theologically sharp in this conversation. I was shocked as I kept looking at it, like, oh, she may not have the terms for it, but she understood the already but not yet. Now pay attention as we go through this. She says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Now, this is really interesting right here. We sometimes take the emotion out of this. It's like, she's like breaking, breaking. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And she's thinking, but I still see you as God. I still see you as the Messiah. And so I, I even know now, as I mean saying these things, that you have all of the power that God wants to give you to do whatever you want. And then he says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection in the last day, future kingdom. I'm confident that he's going to the future kingdom that God has promised because you've said that. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of light, and the one who believes in me will live even if they die. And, whatever, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is so caring because he's there and he's basically he's talking to him and wrestling with this with Jesus. And he's anchoring, anchoring her on him. Like, I am the way, the truth of life. Right now, what's happening right now, I am now the way for what you need right now. He's anchoring on the, the, the Christ as the anchor. And so as he's saying that, then she, after she asked, and he, I can imagine this emotion, like right now she's just shaking around because her belief's getting shaken. He's saying, do you believe in that? Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God, who came into the world. All right. Now let's move up to where Martha goes and gets Mary. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing. Like, and you can just imagine the emotion in this she had all the mourners coming around her to that, to that place. She's, he's surrounded by people just weeping. And, 
as she says this, as they're watching this, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and troubled. And so here's the thing. He knows that what's coming. And yet, when she's fighting this pain of unmet expectations and the pain of death in this world, he doesn't go, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> he's moved to the place that he's choked up and he, he, he's deeply moved and he's troubled by it. Right? He's troubled by the pain of what's happening around him there. And then he says, where have you laid him? And he asked and says, come and see, they replied. And then 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. You have to understand what this lie. This is a guy who can see what's coming, and while he's in that moment, he wept. Now, it's interesting. It says the Jews said, oh, how he loved him. I don't think they got it. He did love him, and he loved that, but he knows Lazarus is going to raise from the dead, right? But what he loved was everyone there and the pain that they were going through, and he was experiencing the pain that they had in that moment and also the grieving of the loss of Lazarus. But he, and it says how he loved him. But then there were some who said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind, and if he could, the eyes of a blind man could have kept this man from dying. But then again, as he's heading towards the tomb, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. You know the rest of the story. He called Lazarus out. And then what happened there? The breaking in of the kingdom. He was raised from the dead. The power of God, the kingdom, showed up and transformed everything and made everybody understand this is truly the Messiah. Here's the thing I'd say. God is in the already and the not yet. He's fully present in both places. And life is that. It's a time in which that we have moments in which that we experience the power of the kingdom coming, we experience the peace of God that surpasses understanding. We experience God doing things that are supernaturally impossible to happen. We see that and we're so glad. And we experience the joy of our salvation. We, we can live in that spot. That is, that is really God. And God is in that in a big way, right? God was really in the come out part of this story. And that's what was coming out. But here's the part. Now, Vineyard, you know, the old vineyard, if we would have taught this, it would have been, he, he raised him from the dead, and, which is like, there is an already. There's, the kingdom is here for now. This is, this is new. And that, when I came to the vineyard, I thought, I didn't know this could still happen this way. I didn't know God could come in such strong, powerful ways. I didn't know God could interact in these amazingly cool ways that, that really were like heaven coming to earth. I didn't understand the Lord's prayer that we're supposed to be praying that your heaven come as you know, on earth as it is in the heaven. I didn't even understand that stuff. And so, man, when I got that, I thought, this is great. I can pray for God's kingdom to break in. I can pray for God's kingdom to come, right? But I think we did a little worse on the other side of it is when... You're in great pain because of the not yet of this world. 
expectations, even of good things you might have wanted or, or the, the, the things that aren't right, like suffering and death and injustice and all those things, and you're in the middle of them, where's Jesus the king there? And where he is, he's right where he was with Mary and Martha. He's like grieving with us, comforting us, getting us to a place of anchoring us when we can't anchor ourselves. He comes in and is present in the not yet of life. And so this is just the characteristic of this unexpected king. And we can see, even when you can see the timing of, of the kingdom and even understand this is tremendously helpful. I mean, I, I can't tell you understanding this. If you don't have this view of life, you will find yourself very twisted around because you don't know how to handle when it's the pain. And you either go one way or the other. You kind of think it has to be one or the other, and it's both. We're in this tension of the kingdom. We long for the kingdom to fully come. And what I want you to say is that what are those things in your life that are the not yets of the kingdom? And then how, how does God come into that? Because we look there and we realize they were just knocked off. Why didn't you come? They were knocked off. He's dead. They're good. All that was going on, and God, and through Christ, came right in the middle of it and wept. That's what we always talk about Paul saying, I want to know the power of his resurrection, and I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. And so I just want to encourage you, kind of as a takeaway today, an invitation. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life, and no one who believes in me will, uh, and, and, and the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And we can all take that in, but especially if you're here and you don't, you've not yielded yourself in saying, yes, I'm in. I want to receive the mercy and grace of God. I want to receive Jesus. I want to be a part of his, his kingdom. Jesus has provided this way for you. And he's asking the same question. Do you believe this? It's like, it sounds too good to be true, but it's true. And my invitation to you is that you will say yes to that. You will put yourself in a place like it talks about in the kingdom. You'll humble yourself as a child. You'll get honest with him and you'll let him in to care for you and say yes to that. Turn to him. And for many of us, we know Jesus, but I pay attention. What are the areas of the, the not yets in your life that are right now or maybe have, you've gone through that maybe God wants to come in and be really present for you in that.